My name is Marsha Land, and I will be your moderator for this evening's class. To all of our Zoom participants, please stay muted and your cameras blocked. Thank you. Welcome to another lecture given by the North Carolina Bible class. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious, and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Charlotte, North Carolina Bible class was established in the year 2020. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many, but we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in any good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language had any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our father and his son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limit, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape or form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. 
Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be obtained by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him this tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Our primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Bible class are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit laws or so-called law of nature and powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved saving the name 
of Yahshua, the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. We will have now have a prayer by Dr. Nanifa Allen, and the scripture will be read by Dr. Um, let me see, I'm sorry. Will be read by Dr. Jackie McCain, and the scripture lesson will be Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Dr. Allen? Good evening. Good evening. Let us all bow our hearts and minds. Thank you, Yahshua, for allowing us to come and have class. And hopefully anyone that you put up on this store on this floor tonight, you will speak through them. Hopefully you will give us all a revelation, have an understanding. And with that, I say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good evening. Good evening. Scripture lesson tonight is Hebrews, the ninth chapter. I will be reading from a King James Bible in certain of true and correct names. Then Hebrews chapter nine. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the lampstand and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the most holy place of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's hey rod Neil that budded and the tables of the daily video. and over it the cherubims um, of glory, shadowing the mercy um, so, seat you know, of which we cannot tools, now we speak particularly. Uh, all kinds of now, when stuff, these but, things uh, were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, mostly accomplishing the service of Yahweh. But into the second veil, I'm sorry, but unto the most holy place, the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Spirit. This signifying that the way into the holiest of all, the first tabernacle was, was yet standing, excuse me, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and cardinal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But the Messiah being come and high, 
but the Messiah being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of heifers, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to Yahweh, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living Elohim. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For the testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people saying, this is the blood of the testament which Yahweh hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For the Messiah is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth, but unto heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of Yahweh for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the most holy place every year. Excuse me. Nor yet that, the, that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So the Messiah was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation 
That was Hebrews chapter nine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Jacqueline McCain and Dr. Hanifa Allen. Before I call on our first speaker, I would like to um, announce our readers for tonight. Our readers will be Dr. Marie Winters or Dr. Roxanne Dr. Roxanne and Russo. Dr. Roxanne Russo. And tonight we will have a two-speaker format. Our speakers will have 55 minutes for the for their discourse. A sign will appear on the screen to let you know when you have five minutes remaining of your discourse. Please acknowledge that you have seen the sign. And to our Zoom participants, please remain muted and cameras blocked. To our first speaker, it is an honor and a pleasure to call on Dr. Patrick Latortu, the president of the North, North Side Chicago class. Dr. Latortu. Uh, good evening, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Wonderful. And I enjoyed that entire scripture lesson. That was absolutely marvelous. Uh, we send greetings from uh, Chicago. Uh, Northside Chicago branch sends their love. And I am sure that there are people anticipating for the event that will be taking place April the 8th through the 10th. So we hope to see you there if you are able to come. Uh, let's start off since the topic is Hebrews, the ninth chapter, and we're dealing with the tabernacle, the old covenant, new covenant, and the one who is the mediator of the new covenant. My mind is already there. So this is how we'll do this. Let's go over the purpose of uh, why we are here in class. Uh, so let's start off with John 17, 1 through 3. And then we'll get Ephesians uh, 1 and 7. Uh, and I may be quoting scripture. So if I'm quoting scriptures, uh, just skip it. Um, Isaiah 8 and 20. Uh, Luke 24 and 25. And we'll start with that. But this is the purpose of why these classes were formed by a divine vision and revelation that was given to our founder, uh, Dr. Dr. Latour too. Yeah, uh, we've got a little static there. Okay, are you hearing me? Okay, because I don't know where that background is coming from. Can you hear me now? Is it clearer? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, you know what? Let's do that. Uh, John 17, one through three, and then uh, <clears throat> go ahead. John 17 and one. Mm. These words spake Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Mm -hmm. 
as thou hast given him power over all flesh, mm -hmm. that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Mm -hmm. And this is life eternal. Now remember, this is life eternal. This is a prayer that Yahshua the Messiah prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, which makes him the intercessor, see, for those that would believe in his name, see, that he did die for mankind. And he's intercessing to the Heavenly Father. Now, we're not talking about you looking up, up above the sun, moon, and stars. We're talking about he's staring right within himself because if you remember, the disciples fell asleep at the time he offered this prayer three times, see, because they just couldn't stay awake. Now, go ahead. And this is life eternal. Read. That they may know that mm. thou only are the true El. That and thou only are the true El and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. So eternal life is to know the only true Elohim. And yes, I'm emphasizing and because that's what he said. And Yahshua the Messiah, whom he has sent. That is what life eternal means. Now, you have physical life in your physical body because you're walking around breathing the very name of the creator who is Yahweh himself. See, you need to listen to the way you breathe and you'll understand that you are breathing his name. You're not breathing Lord. You're not breathing God. And you're truly not breathing Jesus Christ. Or you will end up in the hospital with some asthma. Just saying it like that. I'm just telling it like it is. See, and Yahshua the Messiah said that he came in his father's name in John 5, 43, that he came in his father's name and you received me not. Let another come in his own name and him you will receive. So this entire world has either re has, re has received, accepted, or heard of the name of Jesus Christ, but has not necessarily accepted the name of Yahshua the Messiah, even though he came in his father's name. So eternal life is to know the only true Elohim and Yahshua the Messiah, whom he has sent. What's the next scripture I call? I don't remember. You called Isaiah, Luke, and Ephesians 1 and 7. That's what I want. Give me Ephesians 1 and 7. I'll quote the other one. Ephesians 1 and 7. Read. This is the purpose of why this is going on. Read. In whom we have redemption through his blood, That's the, right. forgive, the forgiveness of sins, mm -hmm. according to the riches of his grace, mm. wherein, he hath, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, yes. having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Now hold it right there. Now wait, wait, wait. Now he said, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Mm -hmm. And that is the purpose of, of I'm sorry. Say Someone it again. Background, can they mute themselves? There's some noise <laughs> in the background. Thank you. Go ahead, Thank Dr. Elizabeth. And this is the reason why, now remember the reason why Dr. Kelly received this divine vision and revelation in the first place. The reason why he received it, or he received it is this reason. 
to teach Yahweh's people his will. He didn't come down here to teach about his thoughts, theories, and opinions about anything. The purpose is to learn, know, and understand the will of Yahweh. And that's it. Say, and that is what we need to focus on, is the will of Yahweh. Say, now keep reading. Read that again, oh sorry. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, yes. according to his good pleasure. And this is his good pleasure. This is his good pleasure in doing this. Read. Which he had purpose in himself. So the purpose is within Yahshua the Messiah or Yahweh Elohim or Yahweh himself. I name all three, which is one spirit. Read on. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Yahshua, both which are in heaven. Wait, wait, wait. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you. Scripture readers, I'm apologizing now. I will interrupt you. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Now, wait a minute. You're being gathered together under who? That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Yahshua. In Yahshua. And nobody else's name is being gathered in Yahshua. Read. Both which are in heaven. That's the angels. Read. And which are on earth. Souls of men. Read. Even in him. Go ahead. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Uh-oh. We obtain an inheritance. Read. Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who hmm. worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Wait a minute. After the counsel of what? His of own his will? Own. Yes. Oh. So he ain't listening to our opinions, concepts, or whatever is running around in our head. Nope. He's doing it in his own will. Mm-hmm. That's his pleasure. Now, I'm not asking anybody to agree with me at all whatsoever. And I don't want you to. In fact, I don't even want you to believe the words I'm saying. You take those words, and if I said something wrong, you call me up on it. Or you examine the words that are being said right now. I'm not here to sit here and say, oh, Patrick is such a nice. No, we ain't playing that game. The truth is the truth. And if I'm not speaking the truth, you call me out on it. You understand? That goes for anybody that's sitting here speaking. Right. See? Because we're talking about life eternal. Life eternal is for you to know. The only true Elohim and Yahshua the Messiah whom thou hast sent. See? So this is not a play game for me. Or you or anybody else if you want to know the truth. I'm serious about not agreeing with me because I can make a mistake just like anybody else up in here. Because we're not the one. See? There's only one that's here. And that is Yahshua the Messiah himself. He's the one that died for you on that cross. That's what that scripture lesson is talking about. That the tabernacle that was made 3,500 years ago by the children of Israel after the instructions that Moses received, but Yahweh gave a divine vision and revelation unto him, and he showed him how that tabernacle was to be made and how it and how it 
uh, was supposed to be made by the children of Israel after they took those nine stones out of the land of Egypt. And that was only a type, a shadow, and an allegory, see, of the reality of what's going on right now. That's right. Your soul is walking in a tabernacle. And you have a high priest working hard. His name is Yahshua. Provided that you believe that he's the one that died for you. Because if you don't, you have another high priest up in there that he thinks he's a high priest. You understand what I'm saying? You get my point? Keep reading. 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Yahshua. Wait a minute. That first trusted in him. Read. In whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth. Read. The gospel of your salvation. Uh, well, the, the what? The gospel of your salvation? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think we need to know what that is. First Corinthians 15 and 1. Hold the other two scriptures. I'll quote it for you in a minute. More over All, right. All right, I got it. Uh, first I declare Corinthians. unto you the gospel. The, this is the gospel of your salvation. Read. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which Please. I preached unto you, yes. which also you have received, mm -hmm. and wherein you stand, Read on. by which also you are saved. Stop, 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 stop. See, we, we run, read, we like flying like, like it's the Indianapolis 500. By which also you are what? Saved. saved. Is, there, is there an ED back there? Yes. Oh, so he saved. If what? If you keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless mm. you have believed in vain. Oh, unless you've made this worthless. Read. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Yes. How? Oh, how? That Yahshua died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Read. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Now, look, the scriptures is the law and the prophets, the law being the first five books and the prophets being the next 34 books. And that's all they had at the time. Yahshua the Messiah was walking around in his ministry. The first five books of Moses. The next 34 books of prophecy telling of the coming of Yahshua the Messiah, how he was going to be born, how he was going to live, how he was going to die, how he was going to be buried, and how he was going to be raised again the third day according to the scripture. Isaiah 8 and 20, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no what? light in them. And Yahshua the Messiah, who is the teacher, say, instructed his disciples to go back where? To, and, and old fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I'm not the Messiah to have suffered these things and enter into his glory and to begin and begin at Mo and beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning us. Himself. 
Uh, I'm, glad someone caught, I'm glad someone caught that because I would be very concerned. The things concerning him, why? He's the savior. And when you go to the 44th verse, he said, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning somebody else. Nah, he said concerning me. Then what did he do? Open he their understanding that they just might, what? Understand the scriptures. And guess what? That happened before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Please be aware of that. You understand? And so we'll begin at Moses. You see? And the reason why I'm going to go particularly to Moses is because I want to get to that covenant. But first, we have to get to Exodus, the 12th chapter. You understand what I'm saying? Actually, <laughs> wow, there's so much in here. Let's do Exodus, the 12th chapter. I'm not going to have time. The, pre the next speaker can go ahead and carry on. But I'm going to hit this particular scripture because it's important. Exodus 12 and 1 and hold Exodus 13 and 4. Exodus 12 and 1. Read. And Yahweh Elohim spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, mm. this, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Yes. It shall be the first month of the year to you. And guess what? If you just don't know what that month is, go to Exodus 13 and 4, please. Exodus 13 and 4. This Jeez. day. This day came ye out in the month Abib. Now, what this, this school is also a school of research. You need to look these things up. I don't care how many times we go through this. It's nice to look up things so that you can hear and read and confirm those things that are written in the scriptures. The month Abib is equivalent to our month of April. So yes, to the children of Israel, April the 1st was their new year. Now here on the Gregorian side of things, because we're Gentiles, we think January 1st is the first year of the month, or that's the new year that starts. We were so backwards back then. You understand what I'm saying? But a Yahweh who made the who made the world and all things therein, he declared this to be the month. Why is that? Because it's a resurrection in the spring. As you see, every single time in your lifetime, winter is a death. I mean, sorry, fall is a death. Winter is a burial. Spring is a resurrection. Summer is an ascension. And you do it over and over and over. And you're like, Ooh, I can't wait for it spring because it's so cold out here. Ooh, it's just so cold. It's so cold out. Buried in my house. I'm tired. Now nah, you wait for spring because you want to see things spring up. Yeah. Ain't that something? Just like you spring up out of bed after you wake up from a deep sleep and y'all were buried in your covers. Somehow you spring up head first. I wonder if somebody ever tried to do that feet first. You know that ain't going to work. It's your head first. Why? Because Joshua represents the head. You understand what I'm saying? So keep reading and for, I'll be here all day. Give me raw, get, continue in Exodus. Uh, uh, 12th chapter. Yes. Exodus 12 and 2. Yes. Speak ye unto all the kind. Right there. Hold it right there. Mm -hmm. Now he said, 
speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel. Do you see Egyptian written over there? No. no. That word's not written in there. Hmm. Interesting. He's only speaking to Israel. Because in Hosea 11 and 1, out of Egypt called my son, and they're about to be called out. He only spoke to Israel. They're the ones who know of this Passover. I hope you guys are not holding this 3,500 years ago. Because the only one that knows about the Passover is that, is that that has been revealed to the sons down here on this earth plane in the kingdom that's in mortality. Nobody else knows about no Passover up in here. You're the only ones that know how to eat the lamb. You're supposed to get a lamb. Oh, yeah, I'm see, I'm going too fast. Go ahead, read. I won't get, I don't think I'm going to get to the law, but keep reading. Keep reading. Uh, Exodus 12 and 2. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, That's according right. to the house of their fathers, a That's lamb right. for a house. That's right. A lamb. Wait, wait, wait. A lamb for a house. Didn't I just tell you that your body is a tabernacle and that your soul is in that tabernacle? A lamb for a house, and if the lamb be too what? Read, you, you better hurry up, read, go ahead. And if the household be too little for the lamb. If your little old mind is just too little for this big old lamb, which is typifying Yahshua the Messiah, who represents all sorts of principles that he's meek and lowly in heart. If it's too big, what are you supposed to do with it? Let, him and, his, let him and his neighbor next onto his house take it According to the number of the souls, oh. every, every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. So that means everyone is responsible for the words that Yahshua speaks because he is truly the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Just as they had to hold that lamb over for four days, Yahshua the Messiah was held over for 4,000 years before he began to fulfill that that was written in the law and the testimony. Keep reading. Five. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goat. That's a lecture all by itself. Keep reading. Six, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. That's right. And, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So it shouldn't be a surprise that when they send Yahshua the Messiah, as he went from Caiaphas, the high priest, to Herod, the Pilate, it's not a surprise that after uh, Pilate scourged him, they said, what? Crucify him. Why? The whole assembly had to kill him. Why? Because there was no fault in the land. Now do your research. Keep reading. Seven. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts mm. and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Mm. And they shall eat the flesh and that night roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Yes. Eat, eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his mm. head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. Mm. And ye Keep shall going. And he and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. That's right, read. 
and thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is Yahweh's Passover. You got to hurry up and eat this thing because the universal revelation is about to appear, and believe me that it will be burnt up. You understand? You got to eat it quick, and you got to examine it, and you got to make sure that this is the truth that is being said. Keep reading. Why is he doing it? Next verse. Well, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I mm. am Yahweh. I am Yahweh. So that death angel is coming through. Is there any more? Is there more to that? I can't get out of this scripture. Is there more to that? <laughs> I can keep going if you want. Keep going. 13. <clears throat> and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood. Wait a I minute. When I see the blood, people, you think I'm talking 3,500. You know, I'm nowhere near that. I'm talking right now. If that death angel comes through and does not see that blood in the heart and in the mind, which happens to be the blood of Yahshua the Messiah in your heart, in your mind, you will die. It's that simple. You understand what I'm saying to you? Read that scripture again. For I will pass through and the blood shall be a token unto you. Read on, hurry up. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. And the you. plague shall not be upon you. Read. To destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to Yahweh throughout your generations. Throughout ye your shall generation. keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. You may stop now. See, I told you I'm not going to get to the law. I'm going to try to, but I ain't going to get to it because see, that scripture alone is telling you spiritually and psychologically that Yahshua is sitting here sprinkling the blood in your conscience. That is giving you the water in your conscience. And Yahweh is spirit. You understand what I'm saying? If his word does not clean you up, or if that blood is not in the heart and in the mind, he will go through mystery Babylon kicking butt all over the place because you have not, because you rejected the words of Yahshua the Messiah. And he does not see the blood that is in the heart and in the mind or in the soul. And I guarantee you at the universal revelation, if that will surely be manifest, who has the blood of Yahshua the Messiah and who does not. And remember, that Passover was spoken straight to the children of Israel and nobody else. Do you get what I'm saying to you? And so after they took of that, they, they ate the lamb and they ate the bread and they drank the bitter herbs, you understand? And they had to eat it in haste or it is Yahweh's Passover. Don't you understand you're in the fourth age? According to the tabernacle pattern, you have a, the first step being the gate, the second step being the altar of sin sacrifice, the third step being the brazen labor, the fourth step being the door. 
the fifth step being the holy place, the sixth step being uh, uh, the second veil, and the seventh step being the most holy place. Do you not understand that according to the ages and dispensations, you are at the fourth age, which is the present kingdom age, which is immortality? And do you not understand that you are at the second veil, or what I say, the sixth step, which would represent the second veil. So you got the pattern within a pattern within a pattern. And he's telling you right now that at the fourth step and at the sixth step, that is nothing but a veil and it's about to be torn off. And we're going to see who you really are. You understand? We're going to see if you're in light or you're in darkness. And I promise you that if you are not with the light, who is Joshua the Messiah? Say, I am the light of the world. See, if you're not part of that light, it will burn you straight up. You understand what I'm talking about? You understand what I'm saying? But listen to what Yahshua the Messiah has to say. So after the eating of the Paschal lamb, you understand, they came through the divided waters of the Red Sea. I told you I'm not going to get to the law because I need for you to get to the 14th chapter of a, of a what? Of Exodus. And I want you to read, I think it's about the fourth or fifth verse and read on down, please. Exodus 14 and uh, 4. Really? And, I will, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Who, who's doing what? Did and you I just say, Pharaoh's I heart. will... Who's talking? Yahweh. Oh, so Yahweh is hardening Pharaoh's heart. So you mean to tell me he's not doing this by himself? Yahweh had to make him? Okay, go after the children of Israel so I can... So I can Show you my glory and kill you at the Red Sea because you sit here and try to hold the sun, uh, uh, my son down in Egypt, which I'm calling out. And I and he's and he is going to get his glory. Shoot, I, I should have gotten Exodus, Exodus six and three. I don't got time for that. Keep reading. I, man, I can never get to that mountain. Keep reading. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them, and I will yeah. be honored upon Pharaoh and upon yeah. all his hosts that yes. the Egyptians may know that I am Yahweh. And they the did Egyptians so. are going to know that he is Yahweh. You mean to tell me after those 10 devastating plagues they didn't know he was Yahweh yet? Uh-oh, here we go, keep reading. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? that we have let Israel go from serving us? Mm. And he made ready Do his you not understand what I'm talking let me, let me pull the veil off from my... Why we let these people go? Satan loves when you serve him. Okay? But now he's taking you from him. Uh-oh. Now he's after your butt. You're wondering why all this stuff is happening to you at this point. Read on, because he's after you. He doesn't want to let you go. Read. Six verse. And he made ready his chariots and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all uh -oh. the chariots of Egypt. Oh, uh -oh, wait a minute. 600 horses, 600 chariots, and 600 men. Ooh, that sounds familiar. Six, six, six. Yeah. Read on. Chosen chariots and all the chariots of wait Egypt. Wait a minute. They were chosen too. Uh-oh. Read. And all the cherubs of Egypt and captains over every one of them. Mm. And Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel. And the yeah. children of Israel went out with a high hand. Yeah. 
But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and yeah. overtook them in camping by the sea beside, yeah. however you pronounce that. Uh, keep going, Pharaoh, keep going. <laughs> and when Pharaoh, 10th verse, and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were so afraid and the children of Israel cried out unto Yahweh. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt. I was like, Wait a minute, that sounds, like, that sounds like fear to me. They scared. Yeah. Here he comes. Uh-oh, read. Has thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Read. Wherefore, has thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is it not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Read. let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? Did you hear what they said? Yeah. Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians that just lost their entire land and their guys all at the same time. See the mentality? Well, keep reading. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in this wilderness. And mm. Moses said, hmm. and Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of Yahweh. Stop right there. Three things you have to do. Now you think I'm talking about back there. I ain't talking about back there. I'm talking about right now. Whatever situation that causes you to fear, you are to fear not. For Yahweh, or Yahweh Elohim through his son, Yahshua the Messiah, is with you. Shall I go back to Exodus? Now, I will be reading all day. We, we probably can never get out of it. No, we're getting out of it. We're getting out of Egypt real quick. I don't got time for all that. Fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. We are no longer talking scriptures only. You need to apply the principle therein in your everyday life. Whatever causes you fear, fear not. Why? Yahshua is with you. Stand still. You know how hard it is to keep your mind still when you're in fear? You heard what the children of Israel said. Get my point? But see, you have to stand still and what? See the salvation of Yahweh. Oh, wait a minute. The name of Yahshua the Messiah. Yahweh is salvation. Let's shorten it up. Yahshua. Where are you going to see him at? Are you going to see him at somebody else? How many bodies were down there? There were the children of Israel and you got the Egyptians. There were only two bodies down there. One was allowed to see the salvation of Yahweh. The other one thought they can get through it. And as soon as they tried to get through it, they were all what? Dead at the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his host. People, I slowed this down for a reason. This is a principle that must be applied. Anytime you're going through a what? A death, a burial, and a resurrection. And you know at the resurrection, you know you didn't pull yourself out of it. You know it was Yahshua that pulled you through. Because you, do, you don't dare take any credit for what Yahshua has done in your heart 
in your mind, in your soul, when he pulls you out of a problem. And I, and I liked it uh, uh, when, a, when a speaker was speaking at Springfield, talk about Yahweh enjoys the impossible. You want to know why? Because that's where you have to call it. Because you know you can't do it. So did the Red Sea open up? Reading the scriptures, did it open? Yeah. I can't. You better read it, because I don't believe it in myself until I hear it. You're your 15th, 16th, 17th verse. I don't know where you at. I'm at the 13th verse right Go ahead. now. But, I, but, but, but see, okay, I don't got time because see, I know my time is flying verse like this. 16th verse? Okay, hold that. So what happened in the 16th verse? Because see, people, you need to see Yahshua doing this in your heart and in your mind. Why is he doing all this in your heart, in your mind? So that you may have faith that he's the one that can pull you out of any situation provided that you call on the name of Yahshua, the Messiah, in your heart and in your mind. We're not talking about you calling your dean, your president, your mama, your daddy, your this, your that. No. We're talking about you talking to Yahweh himself through his son, Yahshua, the Messiah, because he's the only one that can get you out of the, I like, I, I told you I enjoyed it last week, like get you out of the impossible because you know what with Yahweh all things are what possible so the children of Israel went through the vital waters of the Red Sea and Yahweh smashed Pharaoh and his hose down 600 horses 600 chariots 600 men and they went through the vital waters of the Red Sea to and through that was three days 50 days later they got to what Mount Sinai I can't tell you everything that was going on in between because I don't got no time so when they got to Mount Sinai it was there that Yahweh told Moses to tell the children of Israel to wash up in the cleanup for on the third day uh oh those scriptures sound familiar they went through a death they went through a burial they went through a resurrection that was three days 50 days later they were to what got to the mount on June the 3rd. You understand what I'm saying? And then three days later, they were supposed to wash up and clean up. For on the third day, Yahweh will come down in the mount and speak directly to the children of Israel. You understand what I'm saying? And so when the that cloud came down and the trumpets began to blare, lightnings and thunderings and this, that, and the other, I can't go through everything. This is what Yahweh said. Give me Exodus, the 20th chapter, real quick. Now try to be quiet. I ain't trying to be quiet. I know. Go ahead, read. 20 and Exodus, one. Exodus, Exodus 20 and 1. And Yahweh Elohim spake all these words, saying, I yeah. am Yahweh, thy Elohim, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the stop, house of bondage. Stop, stop. There's too much going on. Yahweh said, I am Yahweh, thy Elohim, that brought thee. Hmm, what does thee mean? You need to do some research. It means he brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. Uh-oh, what is Yahweh? Give me John 14, uh, 424. For Yahweh is what? Spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. So what am I saying to you? It's spirit that delivered you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. No man delivered you out of anything. Read the first verse again. And Yahweh 
No, 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 no. I already Exodus. quoted John. I was too quick. Go ahead. Just read 20 and 1. <laughs> okay. Exodus 20 and 1. And Yahweh Please. Elohim spake all these words, saying, I am Yahweh, thy Elohim, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Wherever you were bonded to, whether out there, in here, whatever. I am Yahweh, thy Elohim, that brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt not what? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You want to know why? Because A, they didn't make you, and B, they're the only one. They can't deliver you. Uh-oh, I said some words. That's right. They can't deliver you out of anything. That's your mama, your daddy, your sister, your brother, your priest, your guru. I don't care what it is, how it is, your dean, your prince. Nobody can deliver you out of whatever is going on. And if Yahweh sends a vessel to be used to deliver, don't give credit to that vessel. I dare you. He will slap you from here to Timbuktu. You better not even say, oh, my goodness, you saved me. Oh, Alfred, who the heck is Alfred? Uh-uh, there's only one savior up in here, and his name is Yahshua, the Messiah. Now, let me sum this up real quick, because I know I don't got no time. Now, look, now, nah, you better read some more. I've been stopped. You better read some more. Keep reading. For thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Or wait, any wait, 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 wait. He said thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. image. Read. Or any likeness of anything. Of anything. Is, Read. That is in heaven above. Uh-oh, there goes the angels. Or that Come is on. in the earth beneath. Ah, there that, goes the souls of men. Or that is in the water under the earth. That sounds damnable to me. You know those damnable spirits that are in the white, all those that you know, you can't understand nothing. You can't make no graven if you wonder why. Someone tell me if a if a whale was able to deliver you out of the water. Oh, don't let me get started. I'm going to talk about Jonah. I'm losing my train of thought. Let me keep going. You can't make nothing. Wonder why? Yahweh is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You call on his name, he delivers you. He saves you. Now, what am I trying to get my point across is this. Did you know that the children of Israel received 613 laws that were spoken by Yahweh himself, that it was spoken into their consciousness, and then Yahweh uh, and, had, and Moses adjoined the children of Israel under Yahweh because it was a marriage? You understand what I say? They were married under Yahweh because if you read the 24th chapter of Exodus, say, all that Yahweh do, we will be obedient. You know, you understand what I say? Or we will do what he says. When you get into a marriage, don't you say, I do? Yes. What you going to do? Love your partner with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength, because I love that person. That's a natural type, shadow, and allegory. Say, what are you supposed to be doing now in the spirit? Yahweh say he's your husband. Oh, you don't believe that? Jeremiah 31, 31, you guys know where I'm going. I don't got time. I'm telling you, I don't. What did, Yahweh, what did Yahweh say in Jeremiah 31, 31? Jeremiah now remember, the children of Israel broke that law by building that what? Golden calf. After Moses went up with his minister, Joshua. I got another lecture on that one. 
and his minister Joshua. You understand what I'm saying? And they went up in that fiery cloud, and he saw the seven days of creation go by the pattern, and he saw the next 33 days, the intricacies of the working of that pattern. Why? Because in Exodus 24, 9 and 10, then when up Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and the Bayou, and the 70 elders, and they saw the Elohim of Israel, and they were under his feet as it were a paved work of a sapphire stone, and they were the body of heaven in his cleanness. Clearness. Also, they saw Elohim and did what? Eat and drink. But he didn't lay the hand on the nobles to understand what they saw. He told Moses to come on up. That's exactly what you're supposed to be doing in class. When you come to class, you're supposed to come on up out of that foolishness that you had to go through during the day. And Yahshua, elevate your heart and mind so you can see him. Not see one each other. They ain't hiding they behind you. No. Why do you think you have cells in your body? C-L. Now, look, we're not telling you to make an L down here. You understand what I'm saying? We were supposed to see Elohim. What? In this school is to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Guess what? He's operating in your tabernacle. See, I am talking so much so fast. So here's my point. That law dictated to the children of Israel what to eat, what to sleep, who to marry, what to build, what to wear, what to... Every single aspect of that law dictated to the children of Israel. Jeremiah 31, 31. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Behold, the day comes, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers and the day that I took them by the hand. Now remember, he took them by the hand. Right. Read. To bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, He brought them out of the land of Egypt and they broke that covenant. Why? You got to read the 32nd chapter of Exodus to find out that they built the the golden calf named Aphid. And they said, let this be the God that delivered us out of the land of Egypt because they were so impatient about Moses coming back down from the mountain. Hey, it's Moses. Hey, it's Moses. So you're going to party all the way down and then what? Joshua the Messiah or Joshua the Son of Nun had the point. See, Moses, look what they're doing. I'm summing it up. That is not a direct quote. It's a summation. You understand? And he pointed and they and Moses saw the children of Israel worshiping that golden calf and came down with the with the with the tables of uh, the tables of the covenant and smashed them. Why? Because they broke Yahweh's heart. Why? He delivered them. They partied after a golden calf. That's an entire another lecture. I don't got time to get into it. But when you get to Jeremiah 31, 31, and he sat there and he took them by the hand, even though he was a what? A husband unto them. Oh, so that means they were married, don't let me get Ezekiel 16 and 6. It will be beautiful. Well, let's not go there. Let's stick with the covenant. Read on, please. Dr. Latorta, you have two minutes. God dog it. You see how much fun that's been going on? I only got two minutes. Go ahead. Read quick. For this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, said Yahweh. Yeah, after the death, burial, resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah. Read. I will put my law in their inward parts. What did he say? Wait, 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 wait. What did he say? He will put put my law in their what? Inward parts. Now, he's not writing on your organs, people. He's writing in the heart and he's writing in the mind. See? So that whole covenant, see, that was given unto the children of Israel. Keep reading, keep reading. I only got less than five. And write it 
and write it in their hearts and will yeah. be their Elohim and they yeah. shall be my people. Read and on. they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and hmm. every man his brother saying, Read. know ye Yahweh. They're not going to they teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother know ye Yahweh. Why? Read it. For they shall all know me. Oh. From the From least the of them. To the what? To the greatest of them. Saith Yahweh. Say That's right. Keep going. For I will forgive their iniquities and I remember and I will remember their sins no more. Now listen, people, we're under the new covenant right now. See, I can't finish all that. Yahshua fulfilled it in the fifth chapter of Matthew. Now look, you're under the new covenant right now. That fifth and sixth dispensation is boxed in together. New covenant from the least of them to the greatest of them. Whoever you think you have great in your mind, or ever you think you have least in your mind, whoever you think has the Holy Spirit, it's a new covenant where you are supposed to answer to Yahweh and Yahweh Elohim alone through his son, Yahshua the Messiah, because he's the one that fulfilled the law and the testimony, and he's the one that spilled his blood for your soul so that you may have an opportunity to receive life eternal and that he may dwell with you in Revelation 3 and 4, and he will sup with you and he with me. The communion must be taking place between the soul of man and the soul of Yahweh, who is Yahshua the Messiah himself. And so with these few words, I say hallelujah. Hallelujah. And thank you, Dr. Patrick Latortu. For our next speaker, it is an honor and a pleasure to call on the Dean of the Oceanside, California class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Dr. Volpe? Yes, thank you. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes, we can. All right, great. I want to make sure my mic wasn't uh, malfunctioning. I want to say good evening to all the brethren tonight. It's uh, always wonderful when we congregate, get together, and I see we have a good cross-section uh, from all around the country. And what I'd like to do is pick it right up from where Patrick left off because I thought he did a beautiful job trying to express uh, what we read in our scripture reading tonight, which was the ninth chapter of Hebrews. Now, we have to understand that the world does not understand the purpose of Yahweh. They do not know what the purpose is. So when they read the Bible, they read these things that have occurred down through the Bible, and they draw conclusions based on their own logic of what they think really is going on and what happens here. But truthfully, what we're going to find out is that Yahweh is operating a purpose that is not known, it's not apparent, it is hidden. And in fact, it's secret. And that secret is not going to be revealed down through this age that we talk about here, which was the age after the flood, nor was it revealed in the age before the flood. Or was it revealed in the first age? But now what we have is this. In this age where the Mosaic Covenant took place, which is the third age, the post-Diluvian age, here's what Yahweh's doing. What he did is he made a promise to Abraham, and Abraham's offspring became the people that Yahweh enjoined himself to according to the promise he made with their father or their forefathers. Now, I'll go back over to the Moses chart, if you wouldn't mind, please. Now, what Yahweh is doing 
And really what he was doing uh, to the uh, through those first three ages we just saw on that chart, he is setting up his purpose to bring everything to, <clears throat> as we often say, bring it to a head so that later on he will make known what he was doing in those ages that were prior to the age that he is going to reveal his purpose. Now what he did is he took those children of Israel and when Moses, in fact, let's do this. Let's go over to, I got time, so I might as well lay the groundwork right out of the Bible. Let's go to Genesis, the 15th chapter. Start at 1. And then we're going to skip down in that, in that uh, chapter there. Genesis 15 and 1. All right. After these things, the word of Yahweh came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now here is the word that we know is Yahweh Elohim. That is not a Bible that opened up in a vision to uh, Abram and he was reading out of this Bible uh, because the world inappropriately thinks the word is really the written Bible that all of us have on our lap. And they call that the word. But what the founder revealed to us was that that term word was used down through your Bible time and time again. And it was not about the writings of the Bible, but it was in particular, it was a term that was expressing the presence of Elohim in a vision. Now, that Eloistic form that's at the top of this chart that Yahweh took on, he communicated with mankind in visions and then later in revelations. And that word, ladies and gentlemen, was the word that Abraham is talking about here. At that point, he was known as Abram. That Yahweh communicated with him uh, and and, uh, and this is what he's saying to Abram or Abraham. Go ahead and read. And Abram said, Yahweh Elohim, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Now, first of all, uh, that is a mistake in the King James Bible. Abram did not say Yahweh Elohim. Abram didn't know the name Yahweh. Moses inserted that when he wrote the book of Genesis. And that name was not known until Yahweh appeared to Moses in that burning bush and told him he was going to send him into Egypt, which I'm going to get to that in a little bit. And that that name was then asked at that point, Moses said, what's the name? I shall tell him when I go down there. And that's when he gave the name Yahweh for the first time to mankind. Now, here Abram says, uh, what am I going uh, you know, to do going childless here? Because what happened is Yahweh took Abram out of a land that was called uh, Ur of the land of the Chaldees and brought him to this land of Canaan and told him that he was going to give him this land for him and his offspring. And Abram wanted to know what good this was going to do him since he was now childless. He couldn't have a son. He couldn't have any children because Sarah was barren. Keep reading. 
3. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Mm -hmm. And behold, the word of Yahweh came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Now listen, here's what you got. We know that Abram had a son, the firstborn son was Ishmael. Ishmael was the son of Abram and Hagar, which was the handmaiden to Sarah. And Hagar was an Egyptian woman. Now, Ishmael was not born from Sarah or from his wife, but from a bondwoman. And Yahweh set this up. There's a reason why he did that. Oh, I can't go into all this. I just realized it'll, it'll, it'll take a lot of explanation, but I'll put it like this. That firstborn is not going to receive the inheritance. And what Yahweh tells him is this. Read the next verse, please. Oh, wait a minute. You already read that, the one I'm after, that this shall not be the error. That's right. Read four again, please. Four. And behold, the word of Yahweh came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thy heir. Now, here's what you got. Now, what Yahweh did, and this is, this is right there, back there in the book of uh, uh, Genesis with Adam. When Eve was taken forth from Adam, Yahweh said uh, that the two shall be one flesh. Now, what you have to understand is that, that Eve was, in fact, a part of Adam's body. So she becomes, they be, the two become one, so to speak. So when a man marries a woman, in Yahweh's eyesight, that woman is a part of that man's body. So in order for him to have an heir, according to the purpose that is going to represent Yahweh's purpose from a manifestational standpoint, he's going to have to have that heir come right forth from his own wife. Now, we know that sets it up. For later on, where Yahweh tells Sarah and Adam and Abraham that they're going to have a son. And we know what happened there. Sarah laughed because she was well stricken in years, could no longer bear children. And how am I going to have a son? I'm an old lady now. I don't menstruate anymore and so on. And so what happened is Yahweh did give her a son a year after he told her this. He said, uh, this time next year, you're going to bear a child. And of course, Isaac was the son of a promise. So the second-born son is the one that's going to be the heir, that Yahweh's going to carry his lineage of who he is so-called calling his people are going to come from Abraham to Isaac and then eventually to Jacob. And we know that. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So here's what Yahweh does. He gives uh, Abram, I'm going to cut down. He gives Abram a little glimpse into what's going to happen here. So I want you to go down to, um, let's see here. Now go down to 12. Okay, Genesis 15 and 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. Now here Abram is having something that is going to be uh, uh, something disturbing, okay? And he's having a vision. We call it a dream, but truthfully, Yahweh is showing him something in this dream or this vision. Go ahead and read. 
13. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. Now here Yahweh is showing, Yahweh Elohim is showing Abram that his future offspring that he just promised him up further at the top of the page are going to go into a, uh, a servitude uh, uh, condition where they're going to be uh, uh, basically going to be servants of another nation. And they'll be afflicted as well. And this is all set up. He's showing him what must come to pass. Keep reading. 14. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterwards shall they come out with great substance. Now later they're going to come out with great substance. So let's fast forward for a minute back to this time of Moses. Now Moses, if you remember, was sent down there by Yahweh. And this is what Yahweh Elohim told him. He said, I want you to go down and tell Pharaoh to let my people go that they may serve me. And he said, but I'm sure that he won't let them go because I'm going to harden his heart. Now, if you go down there and ask uh, at, uh, at some Christian church, Bible church as they call themselves, why did God send Moses down there only to make it such that Pharaoh would not let the people go and then pour out these ten plagues besides. Now what Yahweh is setting up here is he's trying to show that these people, where did they come from to start with that are in Egypt at this point? The, the, I'm talking about the nation of Israel. They were up in the land of Canaan. Now that land of Canaan, ladies and gentlemen, was a promise that Yahweh gave to Abraham and he gave them that land and that was their inheritance. Now Yahweh intended to drive them out of that land. So therefore we know what happened. There was a, there was a son of Israel who was his 11th son. His name was Joseph. And Joseph kept having these dreams where when he told the dreams to his brothers, they got mad because they could see that the dreams seemed to put Joseph above them and them in servitude to him. And not to speak of that they were jealous of Joseph because Jacob favored him and gave him that coat of many colors. Now what they did, they plotted to get rid of him. Some wanted to kill him, but uh, others said, no, let's not do that. They sold him into captivity. And he was sent down into Egypt. And you know the story, what happened, that he was bought by Potiphar. Uh, Potiphar's wife accused him falsely, and he was sent into prison. Now Yahweh gave him, now that was the Holy Spirit that was manifested in Joseph. He had the ability to interpret dreams, and he did it down in prison. And we know that the, there was a butler and a baker and so on, and he interpreted their dream. And we know that eventually what happens is that Pharaoh has this dream that is bothering him. Nobody can give him the interpretation of it. So he calls Joseph. Well, they tell him about Joseph, and he has him brought up out of prison. And he says, I, you know, I'm going to put it paraphrase. He says, I understand you can interpret dreams. And Joseph says, only Elohim can interpret dreams. Now tell me your dream. In other words, 
He's letting them know it's not me that's going to interpret the dream. It's that spirit of Elohim that's going to interpret it, which happened to be in Joseph to interpret this dream. Now, the dream was that he was having seven years of plenty. Then there would be seven years of famine. The dream was indicating that. And Joseph told him that that's what the dream was telling you, that there's going to be seven years where we're going to have a bumper crop and then seven years of famine, hard famine that will happen after that. So Pharaoh saw that this man was wise, and he set him up to be second in command to him. In fact, he gave him a name, and the Egyptian name that he was given was Zapaphania, which means by interpretation, savior of the world. So Joseph was a figure of a savior. Now he came out, and he was declared to be second to the to Pharaoh, and declared to be savior of the world when he was 30 years old. Now what happens is, we know that Israel has to get food, and they heard that there was grain down in Egypt, so they decided to go down there and buy grain so that they could have something uh, to make their, their bread or whatever. And so eventually what happens is, we know they all come down out of the land of Canaan, they're, they come down when Joseph makes himself known, and he tells them to he invites the whole family to come down there so he could they could be uh, obviously supplied with food. Now Yahweh used that to get Israel into that land of Egypt to put them into captivity to the Pharaoh that was at the time of Moses. And that Pharaoh was a bad Pharaoh. The one that Joseph dealt with was not an evil Pharaoh like this Pharaoh that we're talking about at the time of Moses. In fact, that Pharaoh that Moses stood in front of, Dr. Kinley told us, that was Lucifer incarnated in that body. Now what I want you to know is this. Yahweh set this whole thing up. This didn't happen by chance. Yahweh purposed to put them into that captivity. Well, why? Because they were going to, at some point, come out of there, which according to the prophecy that was shown to Abram, they would come out with great substance. And they would return back to the land that was sworn to them by Yahweh. Now what Yahweh did, though, is this. He put them down there so that now he has to come down and deliver them. Which means that he put them into captivity so that he could show that he was their salvation, or he was a deliverer. Now remember, when when Israel is going to come up out of that land during that Passover time, after they ate that lamb that night, and they ate it with their uh, shoes shod, their staves in their hand, their staves in it, ready to leave. And they get to the Red Sea, and now they start to murmur, weren't there graves enough for us in Egypt? And they're all upset, and, and, and Moses has to tell them, stand still, and see the salvation that Yahweh will show you this day. Now remember this. Yahweh was leading Israel. So here he leads Israel up to the Red Sea. And a natural-minded person, like we all were and are or whatever in the world, would think, well, my gosh, we're dead now. We got the sea here. We can't go any further. And we got an army coming up on us that wants to slaughter us. Now, what Yahweh did that on purpose for this reason. Now, Israel didn't believe that Yahweh would deliver them because they were, they were murmuring up there and they were complaining that they were brought up there to die. And yet, Moses 
told them, stand still and see the salvation Yahweh will show you this day. In other words, calm down, be quiet, and watch. And Yahweh then divided that sea to deliver them through that sea, which they never, in their wildest imagination, thought that the Creator would deliver them through a body of water by causing it to tunnel for them to walk through. And so Yahweh saved them down there in Egypt, even though those people, they just didn't believe anything was told to them when they were down in the land of Egypt. Yahweh still brought them out. Now watch, when they get to that mountain, we got people now around that mountain that agreed when Yahweh spoke in those laws. They all agreed to keep them out of fear. Because when Yahweh spoke, the ground shook. It was like an earthquake. It, his voice roared, and these people were scared silly. And what I want you to know is they said, whatever he says, we'll do it, but just ask him not to speak to us this way. So they agreed, and they agreed out of fear. Now, Yahweh, when he spoke in those Ten Commandment laws there at the mountain, we know later what happens is Moses is called up into the mountain at the top of the mountain. And Yahweh has him up there for 40 days and 40 nights at the top of that mountain where he's showing him how to construct a building that we call the tabernacle, which was for the purpose of atonement for their sins once they sinned. Now, they had not sinned yet when Yahweh began to show that structure of the tabernacle to Moses, which shows you that when the golden calf was made and constructed, Yahweh had already prepared a way to be forgiven. And therefore, he's showing that the, the salvation if you will, because the wages of sin are death, the salvation of somebody's soul was prepared before sin even occurred. Now, what we've got now is that tabernacle down there is a symbol or a figure of salvation. And what Yahweh shows is that he was going to set up a priest. Now, I'm, I'm saying all this is the groundwork for what we read in our scripture reading tonight. Now, when he spoke in that covenant, I want to make this point before we go for any further. The ninth chapter of Hebrews is a continuation of the eighth chapter. So I want you to go to the eighth chapter of Hebrews for a minute, if you don't mind. Okay, I got it. All right, so let's... Now, I don't want to read the whole thing, but uh, we know that he said he was showing them. I'm, go, I'm just going to do this. He was showing him the, high, the priesthood. They're talking about the priesthood in the eighth chapter. And he's talking about the high priest, and then he goes down to verse 5. Read verse 5. Hebrews 8 and 5. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of Elohim when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that they make all things according to the pattern shown to thee in the mount. Now listen, in the fifth chapter, it says that everything that was shown to Moses was a shadow of something heavenly, something spiritual. Now, they didn't know this when that was written, uh, 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 or when this happened with Moses, but listen, we know this because this is what our founder saw in his vision. 
that Yahweh Elohim, when Moses went up into that mountain, transformed into that tabernacle, then back into himself to show that he and the pattern were one and the self-same thing in principle, that the tabernacle was a manifestation of him. Now, at the top of that chart, you see where it says Elohim, the archetype, original pattern of the universe? It doesn't say the tabernacle was the original pattern of the universe. Elohim was. So the tabernacle serves as an example and a shadow of Elohim, who happens to be Yahshua, right. who happens to be Yahweh's salvation. So the tabernacle was a type and a shadow of, of Yahweh's salvation. So when we look at the tabernacle, it serves as an example and shadow of something spiritual. Now, uh, Patrick went over there and got this. He went to Jeremiah 31, so I'm going to go down here in the 8th chapter, uh, uh, where we were, and I want you to go to uh, 7. Start reading at 7. Okay. 7 first. Hebrews 8 and 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Well, now, if that covenant, there was fault in that covenant, ladies and gentlemen. That covenant was never meant to be perfection. It was a shadow of something that was perfect. Now, listen, it's just kind of like I'll use an example. Your shadow might give an indication, if it's cast properly, of your height, you know, and maybe your body shape, if you will. But it cannot define whether you have blonde hair, black hair, blue eyes, brown eyes, you know, a mustache, um, uh, all of these things that we use when we identify ourselves. The shadow can't do that. It can only give you kind of an idea of something, but not. it's not perfect. Now, that, that tabernacle was not the perfection, it was a demonstration. So, it serves as an example and shadow of something heavenly, and for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place should have been sought for the second. Keep reading. First, for finding fault with it, he said. Now, what are you reading from? Excuse me. Katonia, what are you reading from? Are you reading a holy name? Yes, do you want me to read? Uh, King James, please. King James, okay. Yes, please. King James says, For finding fault with them, he saith. <laughs> Go ahead. Because oh. I'll, I'll get Behold, that. Go. Okay. Go ahead. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. All right, now listen. What he starts out and says, For finding fault with them. Now, the fault wasn't with what Yahweh spoke from Mount Sinai. The fault was with the people down there below the mountain that heard these words and saw no similitude. Now, I can take that on another level. Yes, they didn't see the vision that the 70 elders saw, but truthfully, the, the, they didn't see any similitude. In other words, in reality, they did not understand one spiritual aspect of what was being spoken back then. And that tabernacle, I mean that covenant that was given from Mount Sinai, the people were not capable of keeping it. Or that is to say, to be true to their word when they said, we will do whatever he says. 
And, and, and listen, and, and Moses told them, it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all the things that Yahweh spoke. Not just a few of them, not some of them that you pick out and you think, well, I, I like this one, but I'm not going to worry about this one over here. Point is, you had to keep them all. If you broke one, you are guilty of breaking them all. That's the way the covenant worked. And you had to keep them all in order to have righteousness. Now, the truth is, there were none righteous, no, not one. Nobody could keep it because the tabernacle was contrary to them. Now, when you say it was contrary, what do you mean? Well, I told you that they first agreed to keep that law out of fear. But as a human being, here's how we tend to act. When we're afraid, we'll say anything to save ourselves, so we think. And once everything calms down and it's passed, we go right back to our old ways. Now listen, the problem lied within the people, not within the covenant. It was not, it was contrary to their very nature. Now what, what would that mean? Well, the people that gathered around that mountain, and, and I have to uh, say this, they were all born under the Adamic the Adamic transgression that had occurred under that and had that Adamic nature in them, every one of them. And there was something missing in their very core of their soul. Therefore, the problem lied that you can't have somebody with a carnal mind and a carnal nature be obedient to Yahweh. Uh, just hold your finger there, run over to Romans the 8th chapter for a minute. Start at Romans 8, 6. Romans 8 and 6. Um, do you want to have the, whole, the King James or Holy Name? Yeah, I, I prefer all my scriptures to be read out of the King James, if you don't mind. Okay. You can insert the correct names there, which is fine with me, but all that I'm saying is I, I'm more familiar with the wording in the King James, and so we'll stick with that one. Go ahead. Romans 8 and 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, listen. To be carnally minded is death. Now, what I want you to realize is these people had a carnal mind and a carnal nature to go with it. And what was the problem with that? Yahweh gave them that nature and put them subject to a carnal mind. And that's in Romans the 8th chapter, further down, where the creature was created subject to vanity. And I'm not going to get into all that because time won't permit it. But keep reading where you are. Seven first. Because the carnal mind is entity against Yahweh. Now the carnal Pardon mind me. is enmity. It's enmity against Yahweh. Why? Read. For it is not subject to the law of Yahweh. It's not he subject to the law of Yahweh. So when Yahweh spoke in those laws, their carnal mind and carnal nature was enmity against that law. It's They're not subject to it. It's just not in them to do it. Read. Neither indeed can be. And it so can't be. Yahweh did not give the laws so that you could be a righteous carnal mind. Remember, his purpose was 
that he is salvation. And he's going to illustrate to us what true salvation is. Now, let me explain what I mean when I say that. Now, we see examples of salvation down through the Bible. For an example, when Yahweh saved Israel from Pharaoh. When David was saved from being slaughtered by Goliath. You follow? And many other examples, when Noah and his household were saved from that flood. Those are all physical examples of salvation. But the spiritual reality of salvation is what we have, where we really need, uh, uh, and I'll explain to you why I'm saying this. This is what we really need to come to, and this is the reason for that. If you remember when Yahshua was alerted at one point uh, by Mary and Martha, I believe it was, that uh, Lazarus was ailing, he was sick, and they needed him to come, they wanted him to heal him. And Yahshua says, okay, well, he'll be okay, you know. And we know what happened. He was gone for four days. And we know that Lazarus died. And he waited four days after he died to come to Lazarus. And he tried to tell him at one point he was sleeping. And they said, well, if he's sleeping, he's doing pretty well, I guess. But the truth is, Yahshua plainly said, no, he's dead. Now, Yahshua, for a reason, let him die and put in, that, in that, that tomb for four days. Those four days represent 4,000 years from Adam on down. Now, what happened is that the Messiah comes in at the end of the 4,000 years, let four days expire, to fulfill what he's doing is he's coming in now for the purpose of raising the dead. And he even says during his ministry that the time will come when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of Man and live. And he said to Mary when they were all upset thinking he let him die and it's too late now, he said, do you believe that I am the resurrection of life? And Yahshua had to show them that he was able to raise something even though it was dead back to a state of life. And we know the story. Now, what I want you to know is Dr. Kinley used to say this. He used to say that, you know, Yahshua told the apostles, greater things than this will you do. Well, what could be greater than going out there when somebody had died and call them by name and have them come out of their, their burial? Now, what I want you to know that Doc said this. He said, now, did you know that Lazarus, Poor Lazarus that was raised from the dead had to die all over again and go right back to that grave. He says, now the, the resurrection, the true resurrection, is when a soul is raised from the dead forevermore and never goes back to that state of death again. He said, and that's what we're doing down here now. We're preaching the gospel of salvation. And when you are quickened by the Holy Spirit, you're going to be raised from that death-like state, that carnal-minded state, never again to go back to it. You are alive forevermore. And so what I want you to know is that uh, this stuff that was set up back there was showing forth that it was imperfect, it was only a type and a shadow, an allegory. The reality would come after this, 
And the reality is where all the perfection lies. Now, if you remember correctly, Yahweh in Deuteronomy is talking about the people there. And I want to go to Deuteronomy for a minute. Uh, let's see. I think it's the fifth chapter, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just go back there and look also. Okay, uh, I don't remember the exact verse. Let's see here. Might be five. Yeah, I picked it up. Jeez, I remembered. I can't believe it. 529. Uh, Deuteronomy 5 and 29. Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Now he said, oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me. Now they feared him right there at Mount Sinai. But that's not the same fear as the fear he's talking about in Deuteronomy here, the fifth chapter, the 29th verse. This fear is talking about had respect and honor and honored him. See, that fear was dread that they had at the mount, at mountain there. Now, listen. He said that, oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would be able to keep all of his commandments. Well, it would sound like to somebody that didn't know the purpose that Yahweh was saying, gee, uh, I, you know, why didn't they have that heart in them so that they would fear me? No, Yahweh didn't give them the heart to fear them. They didn't have the heart because Yahweh didn't give them a heart, and he knew that. When he gave the the covenant from Mount Sinai, when he spoke it in, and let's make this point clear, that covenant was made with the Jews and the Jews only, or the Hebrews. It was not made with a Gentile. And we were all taught in the world, in our church upbringing, that we're supposed to keep the Ten Commandments and do many of these same things that they made Christianized, like eating communion is just simply the same principle as the Passover. And so what we got now is we got them Christianizing these customs or these laws that were given to the Jews and the Jews only. And Yahweh never commanded a Gentile to do these things. Now what I want you to know is that that heart was not in them. Yahweh didn't give them that heart. And he did it for a good reason. Just like when he told Moses, I'm going to send you down to Pharaoh, but I'm sure he won't let you go because I'm going to harden his heart. Now, Pharaoh couldn't help but resist Yahweh because Yahweh gave him the heart to be stiff-necked and adversarial. And that was the heart that Moses went up in front of, and therefore it did exactly what Yahweh wanted to happen. He wanted Pharaoh to resist him so that those 10 plagues would be poured out. The Passover supper would be set up and eaten there to save them from the 10th uh, plague, the death of the firstborn, that sets a stage now for salvation to be made manifest down there. So all of that has to happen according to the purpose. So what we recognize now is it was also Yahweh's purpose that the people didn't keep the covenant. Even though he told them to keep it, told them to keep his word that would do well with them, he did not purpose for them to have the heart in order to keep the, the covenant to start with. Now, why would he do that? Because what Yahweh is setting up here 
is that you of yourself cannot establish your own righteousness. You need a savior. You need someone that can cause a change of heart to take place in you. And who is that? That is Yahshua the Messiah. He is the only one that has the power that has been given to him by the Father to change the hearts and minds of men, to cause a change to take place, and that you might know that he is salvation, that he is your Savior, and you don't save yourself. You need a Savior, and so did the Jews. And all of the patriarchs that died prior to the time of the Messiah, every one of them were waiting in the grave. Or as it says, they were in hell, meaning the grave. And Yahshua had to go back to them in the day that he was laying in the tomb on the Sabbath after the crucifixion. He was going back to the captives in hell and bringing the gospel of salvation over them to show, tell them that he had atoned for them and open up their hearts, so that they then would be recipients of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, what I want you to know is this. That heart plays a crucial role in both covenants. One heart is unto damnation, which is the heart we walk in the door in. In other words, every one of us walked in there with a wicked heart. And there's a scripture, I don't remember, was quoted just the other night, and I can't remember where exactly it is. It might be in Jeremiah, that the heart of man is wicked above all things. Now, I want you to know that when we walk in the door, there's a reason why Doc said we walk in dead on arrival. We come in DOA, he said. And we walk in there with a hard heart, ladies and gentlemen. We don't walk in there with a soft heart. Even if you think you went in there and I'm open-minded, so I'm willing to listen, that ain't going to get it done either. Because without you having the Holy Spirit give you that new heart, you're not going to keep the covenant. And the people didn't have that heart. He said, oh, that there was such a heart in you. Now, here's another thing that he told them under the old covenant. Go to Deuteronomy, I think it's the 10th or the 11th chapter. Let's go over there and get that for a minute. Hang on, uh, I'm getting it my own self. Let's see here, if I can find you it. Want I want six, 16. 16? Deuteronomy 10 and 16. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. Now listen, he commanded them to circumcise the foreskin of their heart. Take away the veil from your heart. Now how are they going to do that? Well, as we know, they couldn't do it. You say, well, how do you know that? Here's what Yahweh says in Deuteronomy 30 and 6. Go to Deuteronomy 30 and 6. Deuteronomy 30 and 6. And Yahweh thy Elohim will circumcise thy heart and the heart of thy seed to love Yahweh thy Listen, Lord. he will circumcise your heart to love him. 
They did back there. They agreed to be obedient out of fear. That doesn't work, ladies and gentlemen. We obviously know that because they broke the commandment right when Moses was up there in the mountain. And, oh, geez, he's gone now. There was no more voice coming out of the cloud. They built a golden calf. Fear doesn't work. But love, now that's a different story. When you have love in your heart, you will sacrifice all things for the one that you love. And he said that Yahweh will circumcise thy heart to love him. Read that again, please. Six verse, Deuteronomy 36. And Yahweh thy Elohim will circumcise thy heart and the heart of thy seed and to love Yahweh thy Elohim with all thy heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Now remember, the law, back there under the law, it said that thou shalt love Yahweh with all thy soul, with all thy spirit, with all thy might. We know that's a commandment. They couldn't keep that. Why? Because finding fault with them, they didn't have a perfect heart. Therefore, their heart is incapable of loving Yahweh to the extent that commandment commands. Mm -hmm. Now, they couldn't change that about themselves. Yahweh will circumcise their hearts. Now, let me show you how this works. What happened is, we know the first generation that came up out of Egypt was dropped in the wilderness because of unbelief. Because of the fact that they didn't believe the true report, Yahweh disinherited them all, and remember, their offspring that came forth, which was the second generation, that was them in a type that was showing them being born again. In other words, the new generation was drawn right out of the old, and the second born were the ones that were up there in the land of Canaan that were going to go up there and subdue and fight that land. Now let's go to Joshua, the fifth chapter. You want to write at one? Well, I, I'm looking at my clock here. So, uh, all right. Well, in this, I'll just summarize this first verse. He talks about how that the hearts of these uh, uh, of these uh, uh, Canaanites up there go. All right, go ahead. Read one. We might as well five one. Okay, Joshua five and one. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that Yahweh had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. Okay, and read. Keep reading. At that time, Yahweh said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Now here he tells Joshua the son of Nun to circumcise Israel. Now we're not talking about circumcise an eight-day-old baby. We're talking about circumcising grown men. And then the question is, well, why couldn't they just circumcise themselves? Yahshua has to circumcise them here at Gilgal. Why? Because Yahweh told them in the law, remember Joshua was the first book of the prophets, in the law in Deuteronomy 30 and 60 said, and 
I will circumcise their hearts to love me. So here he's telling you that it's got to be done by him. And who is Yahshua the son of Nun? That is Yahweh Elohim walking around amongst them. And therefore, it is him that has to circumcise the heart. Now keep reading a little further. Three. And Yahshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskin. Keep reading. And this is the cause why Yahshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Read. Now, all the people that came out were circumcised. But all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. That's right. For the, all right. For the, for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt, were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Unto whom Yahweh swore that he would not show them the land which Yahweh swore. Right. Unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children whom, whom he raised up in their stead, them, Yahshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. Go ahead. And it came Read. to pass. When they had done circumcising all the people, that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And Read. Yahweh said unto Yahshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called... That's what, what has day. to happen. Yahshua. Yahshua has to roll off the reproach of Egypt off of you. Now, what's the reproach of Egypt? First of all, the carnal mind and the carnal way of thinking and the, having the mindset of the world has to be rolled off of you. And if you love your creator, if he circumcises your heart, you will love him. Your, your whole purpose will be driven to the intent to try to be pleasing to your savior and your creator. And it's got us by obligation. And listen, what I want you to know is that this circumcision was necessary, and this is what we're going to continue that principle. Go over to Ezekiel 36 now, 24. Ezekiel 36 and 24. For I will take you from among the heathen, and gather you out of all countries, and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From now all listen, this, we all know this prophecy here. He's talking about how he's gathering us all unto Yahshua the Messiah. We're being gathered from all different aspects of this world and this life. And we're being brought down to Yahshua. That's the land that we have to dwell in. And what's this clean water he's sprinkling? It's the preaching of the gospel. Read. 
and from all your filthiness and from all your idols. He's going to clean you. you. And he's got to clean you from all your filthiness and all your idols. You got to be cleaned up. You got theories. I see the five minutes. You got theories. You got concepts. You got opinions. Read. Right. A new heart. All now, a new heart you. will I give you. Read. And a new spirit will I put within you. Now, we're going to need a new heart, ladies and gentlemen. And he's got to give it to us. He's got to circumcise that hard heart. Keep reading. And I will take away the stony heart. He's circumcised, cutting it out. Read. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will give and you I a will... tender heart, a heart of love. Read. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk And I will cause statutes. you to walk in my statutes. In other words, whatever I command you to do, you will do it. Because that spirit and that heart that's in you now will be obedient. Now watch. I now want you to go to Romans, the 10th chapter. Hang on for a minute, so I want to go over there with you. Hang on, I want to make sure. Mm -hmm. Now I want you to go up to, I want you to go to 13. Romans 10 and 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of Yahshua shall be saved. All right, now wait wait, wait one second. Wait one second. I think I called that one wrong. Okay. All right, I want you to go up. I'm sorry. I want you to go I want you to go to nine. Okay. Uh, Romans ten and nine. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Yahshua. And shall believe in thine heart. Wait a minute. He did not say believe in your head. Believe in your heart. Why is that? Because people have accepted information over the years. Oh yeah, there's no J in Hebrew. I accept that his name wasn't Jesus. But that doesn't mean they believe in their heart. Because they believe that the information is accurate. You understand? We got to get this thing to the heart of the person. We have to get this grounded inside a person's soul. So when he says, who shall confess with thy mouth, Yahshua the Messiah, and shall believe in thy heart. Which heart are we talking about believing in? The hard heart or the new heart? The hard heart is that carnal heart that cannot be subject to the law of Yahweh and cannot please him. That's in Romans the 8th chapter. The new heart is the one that is able to accept correction, to be humbled, and to love their creator. And you need Yahshua to give you that heart. Read. Mm -hmm. That if thou shalt confess with thine mouth, Yahshua the Messiah, and shalt believe in thine heart that Yahweh hath raised him from the dead, Read. thou shalt be saved. Read. For with, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Now it's with the heart that you believe un, with, unto righteousness. Read. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. All right, so all I'm going to say, because I'm out of time, is that the new covenant, is that Yahweh's going to put his spirit in us and he's going to give us he's going to give us a new heart and a new spirit he's going to put within us. And that's why you have to believe this gospel. You have to believe it in order to be saved. But you need the heart that is capable of believing it 
and capable of being obedient, and that comes from Yahshua. So what I want you to know is uh, there's just no other way. Those people were disinherited in the wilderness of Sinai because they had an evil heart of unbelief. We don't want to have that, ladies and gentlemen. We want Yahshua to humble us, break us down, and, and build us back up again with those, with those uh, uh, necessities for our soul to be saved and re to be responsible to him. And that's what that new heart is going to do. So with those words, I hope what I said made some sense. I thank you for the opportunity. I'll turn it back to the moderator. Peace in Yahshua. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Now at this time, the Charlotte, North Carolina Bible class would like to thank all of our brethren, visitors, and friends for taking the time out to come study with us. We hope that you will come back with us to study. Our class is held on Mondays from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Zoom participants, Please remain muted until the host has ended our YouTube broadcast. Now we will conclude tonight's class with the last two verses of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise savior through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both before all time, now and ever. Let the class say, hallelujah. 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 hallelujah.